Hi, this is Luby with Switchblade Billy, and you're listening to Rocket Night. This is Sharice with Rocket Night, and I am here today speaking with Switchblade Billy, a new band out of Homosassa, Florida. Uh, I don't want to say exactly what their genre is because we don't want to pigeonhole them, but it's kind of blues, rockabilly, very ZZ Topish. And we are going to talk to the band and find out who they are and what they're up to. First of all, how did you all meet? How did we all meet? Well, this is Dave. I was 17, sneaking into bars up in Kansas City. And what was that bar, Jason? What was that? Uh, third, is it Third Street? Yeah, it was the Third Street Pub. I think Third Street Third Street Pub. And I snuck in there one night. And I was watching Jason play, but I was also sneaking behind the bar and, and doing shots when they weren't looking. <laughs> And um, I was going down around to a lot of open jams at that point, but that's where I met Jason. Jason was playing guitar, who who doesn't know. Jason is a fantastic guitar player. But anyhow, I got up there and played. I, I don't even think you played bass with me. Didn't I play with somebody else? Yeah, you had uh, your buddy, um, what was his name? Adam. Adam, that's it. Adam, Adam, that was jamming with you. Adam was jamming with me, and... Anyhow, I I just kicked off with, with Lubert, and we just started bullshitting afterwards because he, he was a big Steve Ray Vaughan fan, and I had an unhealthy addiction with Steve Ray Vaughan as well. And he's like, man, I, I'll play bass. I'll play bass for you. I'm like, well, okay, you're a guitar player. I did. And then he picked up bass. You know, some time later, I heard him play bass. I'm like, well, heck, yeah, this just works. So then, you know, as the beers went on, or the years went on, beers years you know <laughs> went on we um we formed our first group casey sauce i think is wasn't that what we're, that was the first one casey oh, sauce first, yeah. and then um we went through so many drummers drummers were like just terrible <laughs> they weren't terrible we just we just couldn't find one to stick that either didn't have a job or something else going on you know to make it work and so um, we finally found Joey, who's a great dude and a great drummer. And, like, we re- threw down, I think we recorded three songs or something. And um, we kind of started really, the ball started getting rolling. Then he, he was with the Air Force and got shipped off. And so that was after about four or five years of playing bars and partying profusely. And <laughs> Oh, I hit a button here. I hope I didn't stop it. Is it still going? Yeah, it's still going. 
Okay. So anyhow, um, after that, we were just like, just so frustrated because we finally found one drummer stick. So long story short, I met my wife and um, me and Shan moved down to Florida and then Jason, he was, you were, you were driving trucks at the time. And um, he followed us down here, and um, we kind of, we, we didn't pick back up playing for many years. I mean, it was probably a, about a seven-year hiatus. We just fished and drank cold beer, you know. And um, then Jason bought me a lottery ticket for my birthday in 2020, right when the pandemic started. And I said, I bought five. I, I won 500 bucks. Of course, he was ticked off because he plays lottery all the time i don't but he never wins and he buys me one ticket and i win 500 bucks i said all right let me get a get <laughs> let me get a guitar so i went and got a guitar and got an amp and then just kind of got fell back in the obsession and then um you know i i ended up running into this character after putting an ad out that you're about to hear all about his background yeah and that's when they uh I found these guys. Uh, this is Ross. I play drums now with Switchblade Billy. Um, yeah, David Chaffin over here, he decided he's going to put out a Facebook ad. And um, I had just moved down here from Tennessee a couple years and been playing with some groups. As a matter of fact, one of them's out here in the garage sitting there and hanging out. A uh, good buddy of mine, Kenny. Um, besides guys like Kenny, I couldn't find anybody who was doing what I was wanting to do, which was – Meet some cool cats, play some good music, but good quality music. Uh, I met some guys who had the drive, but maybe didn't have the technical ability, or they didn't have any gear, or or, or whatever. And um, it, it was just really frustrating. Anyways, I met David and uh, came over to this fine place that we're having this interview at. And um, like I was, you know, saying earlier, you know, we we didn't have nothing started here. And I asked him, I was kind of like, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, I just got off a hiatus. And I've, and he's like, we want to kind of do something to see where it goes. And I said, well, cool. Let's, what do I have to lose? We played the first night. And uh, after that, I was, I was sold American. Um, you were sold American after the first five seconds. First five seconds, he was sold. I was sold after the first three. I was the one initially fell in love, but just saying. But, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um <laughs> But uh, no, I um, I was I, I don't know it was something about it. I I come from a real strong background, as you had said earlier when we wasn't recording about like progressive metal and stuff. Um, I come from a very very long line of metal, progressive metal, rock and roll, just technical stuff. And then I met these guys, and I was like, man, this is the blues. This is something different. And it was my calling. And I knew that uh, we had something great here that we were really about to form up, and we kind of got it, kind of got an idea, but we didn't realize even at the time what it was going to turn into. Especially in the only the year we've been playing, we've got to be getting on our one year anniversary of Dave and I meeting each other. What do you say about that, David? Yeah, I believe it was um, right before Fourth of July, which we're rolling up on. So, yeah, I've already picked out the, the flowers I'm getting you. There better be some good flyers, you know. I like I like all kinds of pinks and reds and whites, you know. I want a bottle of champagne as well, you know. 
<laughs> but no, we've um, and I I think that's one thing that has really cemented our musical sound, and which of course we're going to get out to the people you know here shortly. Um, is our different aspects. I'm from a real rural rural spot in West Tennessee, uh, in a little town called Dysburg that nobody's ever going to hear about. These two guys from Kansas City. And somehow, some way, we meet up in Citrus County of all places, and we're like, let's form a band. And we started out as a our first initial band name was Bull Peanuts, which you probably don't even know about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bull Peanuts, because that's a big thing down here in Florida. Well, how did you stumble upon the name Switchblade Billy? Now that is a uh, a pretty good question. <laughs> uh, David might halfway know kind of how we did. I think it was probably through a drunken stupor in the garage one night. That sounds probably just as logical as anything else. What do you say about that, David? Well, I think I was, yeah, pretty pretty far along drunk. And I went to open a switchblade, and I cut myself, and my dad's name is Billy. I was like, God damn it, Billy, Dave, I didn't even know what my name was. I was calling myself my dad, I guess. I don't know. And um, he's like, he's, Ross's like, what's going on? He's like, I'm like, Switchblade Billy. I was so frustrated, I couldn't tell. He's like, Switchblade Billy. That that actually never happened, but it sounds like a good story. It sounded really good. You know, we throw around so many different uh, ideas and stuff. You know, we wanted rockabilly because we, we have a touch of rockabilly on some other stuff, but it was kind of more like a, a sharper hit, and maybe that's how we stumbled upon it. I mean, it was many hours and many a cases of Natty Light and, you know, just bouncing around ideas. And and then, you know, we wanted to, the, the, not we didn't want rockabilly in it, and we, we wanted something more, and uh, it just kind of happened. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's the power of beer, man. It just it just finally rolls out. <laughs> well, th- to add to that, uh, when it comes to our name, which our name, of course, which I believe it does have that very rockabilly feel, but that also goes back to kind of like what we project as our image for the band. Uh, we're very, we like that old school mentality, the whole kind of greaser, the classic car kind of look. I've always wanted to be in a band that was really like that. Um and the metal bands I was playing in Tennessee, they, they, we just couldn't fulfill any kind of certain image that wasn't fake or produced. And when I met these guys, we were wanting something truly genuine. And that's that we didn't want anything fake or anything overly produced on it. And when we started out with Bull Peanuts, that was just kind of a play on something for Southern Florida or getting into Florida. You know, it's a big thing. But when he came to me like on a serious note about switchblade Billy after tossing around a whole bunch of names. I personally was like, you know what? That's a pretty cool little sharp name. And it's, and it screams this image that we want of not edgy in a sense of like, um, we're trying to go out there and recreate the wheel, but something old school, very old school. It's like, you don't hear about people carrying switchblades in their pocket. You know, you're not going to hear nothing about that crap. You know, they they think they're doing good with a, a blade or like a little just regular Gerber knife or something. I was like, but, you know, the whole idea of the femme fatale, which is why Billy is spelled B-I-L-L-I, the femme fatale, that kind of whole idea goes back to that whole 60s sexy 
kind of greaser kind of look. Yeah, very greasy as as David likes, but kind of makes me think of like James Dean Rebel Without a Cause, like the 50s yeah, kind of gang. Yeah, you're yeah. right, like Marlon Brando. That's kind of the uh image that I get, kind of a retro yeah. image. Yeah, and it, it's funny you bring it up, like the whole retro thing, especially with the retro 80s kind of vibe going around, especially a lot, a lot of pop music, uh, which we all three of us come from very different musical backgrounds. But, um, like, that's one big thing is going on is the whole 80s retro. And Dave and I talk about it, and we're like, let's, what about a, like a 60s, 50s retro, you know? But it's very genuine. I mean, I, and I'm sure these guys can attest to the same thing but i remember growing up i lived in a barn on a gravel road and we drove like a 1960s old chevy truck that barely ran you know i mean listening to old music like i was telling you earlier my favorite band's pink floyd and my favorite album's from 1973 uh david's one of his all time as he said earlier stevie ray vaughn uh luby luby is old so i mean (laughs) i mean (laughs) we said that as soon as he stepped out to take a pass (laughs) But on, on, a, on, a, you know, on a real note, uh, it's, uh, we wanted that old school sound. And an old school sound, though, with a sense of modernization. Like, we're not uh, playing on old, you know, dilapidated equipment. Like, we're trying to really stay with modern stuff. And, you know, and all we're doing from our public image on the internet, you know, to what we're playing with gear, um, you know, we're not playing on beat and broken stuff or like a kind of old vintage like we appreciate when somebody has like an old vintage car that they've kept up you know we're like man that's really nice and that's kind of what we want to do we want to bring back an older sound into the 21st century and say that this stuff is still in existence this stuff really can touch people and and it's all about sitting around having some drinks with your friends caring about your family and you know just going and enjoying the finer things in life which i think it goes back down to why we all moved to florida in the first place now you you all got together a year ago how did you guys create music together i mean you come from all different backgrounds how did you actually compile a bunch of songs because i understand you're coming out with an album this summer and a single uh, what, June 25th, your first single's coming out? Let's talk about how you all wrote the music. Well, um, you know, I, I do a lot of the writing, um, at least lyrically, and, and get the main riffs. Um, but Jason has, has been a big part of it. A lot of these songs that's on this album, I would say, I would say half of the songs uh, we Jason and I wrote back in the day. Jason's wrote a few of them. Our writing process is is pretty fun. <laughs> uh, you know, the best way that we figure out we can write is to clear out a case of beer and then, like, come up with an idea. And, for instance, Tequila Man, which is one that went over really well. I love – I've shared this story a few times, but it, it's so fun because – it was Cinco de Mayo, and we're we are three sheets to the wind. And I'm like, all right, let's write a song about tequila. And it's, you know, I'm a tequila man. Uh, man, I like tequila. It, it's so good. I'm a tequila man. 
And it was so stupid. Like, just like the simplest, dumbest lyrics. And then, like, we, like, wrote this jingle along with it. And then when we pulled our heads out of our asses the next day, like, really formed the song and ran with it and, like, turned this kick-ass rock roll. So we're like, what just happened, you know? It's just like, I love writing it that way, though, because it's very organic. Even though it seems really stupid at the time, you can really shape it after that because you really just need to flow whenever you're coming up with ideas and not be too judgmental. And the way that we do that is by, you know, supporting our local uh, beer industry or, you know, whatever, whatever's around. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that was me and Jason are on. Now with Ross, this is what's so cool about with Ross, you know, he, Jason and I were back in the day, just blues. I mean, just blues. And we, I, honestly, we kind of, we wanted to venture out of it and get out of it. And, you know, when Ross came over, he's like, I'm a metal drummer. I'm like, oh, shit, what the hell? We don't got, we don't got many options. We're in Citrus County. It's either that or, like, you know, a, a cow out in the pasture with a cowbell or something. I don't know. You know, there's there's not options. I'm like, yeah, have him come over. And it, like Ross said earlier, immediately we took off. But Ross is very technical, and he comes up with these great little hits, and we feed off each other really well. And so I think to answer your question, you know, yeah, we – a lot of the songs, like, lyrically, all right, maybe just the base of it. Or Jason will come up with it, and then I'll form it. I'll sit down, and I'll kind of form the lyrics as kind of the last part of it. We come up with the idea, come up with a basic riff, and then, then we'll just start bouncing as far as the structure of, you know, where the chorus, bridge, wherever it is. We'll start bouncing all that off each other, and, like, we'll, we'll just play the song a bunch and just see what riffs we come up with, what flows. That's really big. I think if you go into writing a song and you overthink it. It, it doesn't come out natural. And I've, I've made that mistake so much. You're like, in your mind, it works. But whenever you just, like, let it come out, let the song let the song talk to you of what it needs. And if you do that and just, like, let it run, then it really forms. And that's what's so great with having Ross here. He gives a, a big technical aspect to me and Jason's drunken flow that we put together. <laughs> What was your experience like being in the studio and recording these songs? You know, it, it was interesting. And, you know, it was a real nice studio. It was the most modernized studio I've ever been in, you know. But uh, going in there, and it really wasn't typical to what we'd done before. I mean, I've, I've recorded, you know, where, you know, we'd lay down a track and then everybody comes back over and re-records it and everything. I mean, it's one of the good things about this band. You know, there's... Not a lot of distortion on anything, you know. I mean, you're, what you're hearing on the album is you're hearing the what you know the raw amplifiers. You're hearing the raw drums, and you know there's no effects. There's so many people, you know, using all these special effects. What you're hearing is the band. We recorded it in one one take, you know, and you know put a couple little fills and stuff here. But what you're hearing on the album is basically the raw idea. But I mean, it really was. It, it went. And you know all the guys in the studio were real nice and helpful, and I think I think you know it was a good time. Yeah, <clears throat> one thing that we when we went down to record our first album, <clears throat> of course we were just trying to figure out number one how did we want to do it, number one what did we want to sound like, number two how was the procedure that we wanted to do it because we all three have pretty extensive recording you know histories, um, of course from our various backgrounds in music. I'm used to recording, laying down drums, and then guitar, then X, then X, and X, and that's it. Um, when I talked to David, and we 
this goes back to the same magic that is what makes Switchblade Billy up. We're a play it, like you said, raw as it goes. And a lot of times we're, especially myself and David, we feed off each other and our technical ability and, you know, what we're playing. And we can lay that down on track. So when he told me that he found a studio, Clear Track Studios in Clearwater, uh, Florida, that they recorded analog, the 24-track tape, I, I did a flip. I was just like, well, let's go do that. And then it came down to the question on, let's just say something even as simple as a metronome. Our full album is recorded without a metronome, except for one song, which is Florida. Uh, and only as we recorded Florida to a metronome, it's because we were going to make a music video about it. And we wanted to be able to easily sync up with the footage that we were going to do. Um, and people who listen to our album, you know, you're not going to know it's because it goes with the ebb and flow of us as musicians. And that's that's when I can confidently say that, yeah, we did play that as a band in the same room in one take. Now, it doesn't mean we did it in one go. We did it in multiple goes. But there's no stops. There's no cuts. There's no edits. It's raw. Now, we, of course, went back and played like some guitar solo stuff, as any band does. But when it comes to the fundamentals of what's going on, it is as raw and unadulterated as it possibly can be. So in a sense, it's like a live album because you all played together at the same time. You didn't do it in pieces where you would record the bass separately and the, the drums separately. Yeah, exactly. Now, we had such a really good experience with that form of recording that, to be frankly honest, I don't think we'll ever go back from that. Uh, we went in there and we had a plan. And just like this whole endeavor that we're doing that is Switch by Billy... We have what we want to do. Now, whether or not it works out is whatever, but we want to stay true and honest to our roots. We want to keep everything as raw and in-house as possible. We want to keep it that simple philosophy that like they had back in the 50s and the 60s of just living simple, you know, taking care of what's yours and being good at what you're good at. And if you can be good at what you're good at and go in there and lay it down on something like 24-track analog, well then, you know, I can be proud of that in 10 years. You know, regardless of what happens. And that goes back to our whole fundamental philosophy about what we're doing. We're just trying to keep it simple and just be the best that we can be at what we're doing and just stay humble to ourselves. And let me tell you what, 24-track analog makes you stay awfully humble when you're listening back to it. And you're like, man, uh, I didn't like this take. I didn't like this feel. And you can't just go out and tweak and take the shortcut. We said, we're going to go in there and we're going to redo it again 100%. And that's what we did, and uh, we produced an album that I think all three of us can unequivocally say we were absolutely proud of. Florida's coming out soon, and, I mean, you mentioned the song Tequila Man. Do you consider yourselves to be a party band? We are definitely a band that parties. (laughs) You know, um, you would ask old Lubert that question about 12 years ago. He'd be like, hell yeah, we're a party band. I mean, I think we're all still 18 in our own minds, ain't we? You know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, um, that being said, you know, we definitely, our whole idea of it is to have fun. Uh, we're, we're definitely, we're, we're, we, we do our best live. We love playing live. We love creating, you know, working the environment and having fun. I, I, I don't. We, we don't want to get too deep in uh, lyric lyrically or playing. I just, I love the real, real just 
happy vibe. Now, that being said, I don't want to be just a little jingle band. We're not just playing these fun little jingles. I mean, but, you know, we're, we're getting more and more of this latest stuff we wrote, the latest here, here more lately. Um, it's definitely getting, I wouldn't say serious, but it's not just a, hey, let's everybody smile and cheers and whatever, you know. Thoughtful. But, yeah, thoughtful, yes. <laughs> yes, which is kind of over around. We're usually not very thoughtful. <laughs> Thanks, Vlad. <laughs> One thing I think when it comes to musically and lyrically that we want to always portray to who we're playing to is real. Going back to that same, you know, realism. We have a song on our new album um, called I Quit My Job. And it's actually, yeah, it's actually just a, a slow, almost borderline country music song. It completely sounds different than what you would hear on the rest of it. But my personal, it's like one of my favorite songs just because I've been there. I've quit my job. I moved to Tennessee or I moved from Tennessee to Florida after quitting my job that I was making really good money. Uh, you know, and I hear people all too often talk about they want to do this or they want to do that. or And that's what our band's about. We wanted to do this. We wanted to do that. We write about it lyrically, whether or not it's quitting our job or, or these other things like we're writing on our new material. And we're doing it. And one of our biggest things, I know speaking for myself personally, is we want to be an inspiration and make people think, like, you know what? The world is pretty wild. I can listen to this music and feel good and sit around and, like, go back to what I said earlier and grill out and have some drinks with my friends and work on my car or just take care of the house and feel good about it, you know, feel good about that I can do these things even when the chips are down and... I think that goes deeper than any, you know, philosophical lyrics of the most philosophical bands that are out there. You know, just being a real band and real guys talking to real people out there, you know, that's kind of what we're after. In a sense, you're talking about a slice of life, you know, something that's autobiographical, something that everybody can relate to, but I notice your music has real infectious hooks in there and sing-along choruses. So in a sense, you all are Midwestern guys, and you're writing with your heart and you're singing with your soul. Well, that, that, that's definitely it. I know, especially when people come and see us live, I, I tell this to folk, especially as I meet them, like me as a drummer, I said, you're going to see raw personality when you watch me behind the drum set. Uh, I, I think I can definitely speak for these two gentlemen, too. It's music. It, it goes deeper than just lyrics or whatever, or even just the show. It's what are you feeling, and how do you portray that to a crowd? Can you really make a crowd feel at home and really thinking about what you're playing and really in a mood? And I think modern music has kind of lost that in a lot of ways it's it's so produced it's so uh I'm, i mean i'm not going to knock any anybody out there by any means but it can be very kind of generic and i think people are kind of ready for a change especially with all that's going on in the world they want to get back to their roots you know they might not even know it but you talk about infectious i know when people hear our music and stuff especially you know locally that's the first thing they're like man i haven't thought about that kind of stuff since I was in my late teens or in my early 20s. We were talking about this recently, that COVID being 
off from work or just being alone and having the time to think without, you know, the wheels running of the work job all the time gave a lot of people time to reflect upon the simple things of life. People were baking breads again. People were gardening again. In a sense, that's when you formed your band, was during COVID. Your thoughts on this? So when it comes to anything like that, of course, you know, COVID is just one of many things that's happened here in the past few years that has really greatly impacted all of us. One thing that I think COVID has done with our band is really made us sit down and start worrying about the things that really need to be worried about. Going back to like family, like I came down here to Florida with nobody and you know, and I met these guys, like I said, just right at a year ago. And these guys are now my family. I love these fellas. And I think a lot of people are starting to think about that. It's like what is holdest or what is dearest to them now, regardless of your affiliation on what you think about this or that, that doesn't matter, and that's not what we're about. We three gentlemen, we have vastly different views on things, but we don't let that control what we think when it comes to how we interact with each other. I love these guys. They love me, and I think if the people who listen to our music realize that, hey, we can go out regardless of what's going on with COVID or political or religious or whatever, and be like, you know, all that stuff doesn't matter at the end of the day when it comes down to who you going home to, who do you love, uh, who you taking care of, and what kind of music are you listening to? Does that music make you feel like that? Does it make you feel something in your heart? And that's our biggest mission is making people feel, you know, feel alive inside, you know, feel at home sitting on a Midwest farm, like what we all three kind of come from. And uh, that's kind of where we stand on that. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> I'm getting all choked up here. <laughs> that was spoken from the heart. <laughs> yeah, it's and it is true. Uh, this uh, this all cut out. <laughs> but Vlad and I were just talking earlier that this year, I think it's because of COVID or whatever, I have made so many new friends. And I don't know if people are more open to relationships because at the end of the day all you have are your friends and people and family you know what i mean people want to get you know back to normals and maybe this has brought us back all to where you know we want our families tight together and it might have taken you know all the division and everything in the world i mean people worldwide are coming back together and want the world to get normal again and everybody realizes that this might have been a you know a moment in history where it you know, everybody decided that they wanted to uh, get back down to the roots, you know. On a personal note, I do my work out of my home, and I might go for five days without leaving the house or talking to people because people seem to just email or text each other. And actually, during this last year, I actually got to speak to some people on the phone, and I realized how much I miss it. And so I feel when I do see people, I feel almost like so happy, you know what I mean? Like, oh my God, I have a friend now. You know, that, it sounds pathetic, but I think I'm not the only one that feels that way too. I really, really value friendships. And you know, that's one thing as going back to our, like our whole image as our band, we want to always, like when it comes to like our album, for instance, 
we want to play that live too in order to encapsulate people who maybe have not gone out in a year. I want to bring them in. I, if it were up to me, I would have them right behind my drum set hanging out with me, regardless of where they come from, what their creeds are, anything. I, I don't care about none of that, and I think these two guys are the same way. Let's get together. Let's listen to some good music that comes from the heart, that comes from true, genuine inspiration. Yeah, and just, you know, what's it all about, you know? And that's kind of what our thing is. Like I said, regardless of what you believe or what you don't, um, just to come listen to something that is raw, that's, like I said, unadulterated, and really bring you back home, you know? Like kind of like, like I said, like the whole 50s and 60s kind of vibe of it, you know, where you couldn't get on social media and not talk to your family for weeks and years on end or whatnot. We want to see you. We want to come out and hang out with us. Have a drink with us at the bar after it's all said and done. And let's talk about anything and everything. And it's because at the same time, we're just three guys. And we want everybody just to realize that you're just people. We're all just people. Let's hang out and do the best we can and try to move forward in whatever struggles that we may be going through. Any thoughts? Cherise, you look very lovely tonight, Cherise. <laughs> Suck up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ac- brown nose right here. Act- actually, um, you have this, I was wondering, you have the song Highway 69. Where is Highway 69? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, say that again. Dave's front seat. Yeah, it's funny about that. Uh, yeah, Highway 69. We, what could this song be about? Highways, where is that highway? It's, it's, well, actually, it's one that runs down through Missouri, but we're not talking about that one. Yeah. Maybe it's Kansas. It's Kansas. Highway 69. Yeah, it's any highway that I prefer to drive. The airport. It all started at the airport. My brother and I took a journey across the nation and then i flew back to i think I, I think i yeah you know, i think i landed in orlando and uh yeah my wife picked me up from the airport and you know had a fast car and a, a highway called 69 that's um uh, of course what the song's about so uh nothing uh nothing yeah nothing subliminal at all this is Good old wholesome, uh, good old wholesome Midwest Bible Belt uh, music right here, you know, Highway 69. And there were some belts involved, but we'll, we'll get to go down that road later. All right. I think we've talked about a lot of the different subjects. Um, one last question, because the first time I heard your music, I definitely f- felt it was retro. I mean, I was hearing ZZ Top. I was hearing Rockabilly. I was hearing... Um, Americana even I mean you have a lot of it's really across the board you can't pigeonhole it and it appeals to a lot of different styles and stuff like that and I had wondered about the tone and we've talked about this but I want the tone of your guitar is so authentic rockabilly and to talk about the kind of effects pedals or what do you do to try to achieve that retro sound Viper verb. <laughs> Go back to Steve Ray Vaughan. Yeah. Uh, real quick background, the Viper verb. They, Fender came out with their reissue 
that uh, Steve Vaughn's guitar tech did the wiring in to mirror that. And, you know, of course, our unhealthy addiction, once again, with Steve Ray Vaughn, Jace was like, you got to have it. You got to have it. I'm like, I know. And it was hard to find. So uh, we found. Virginia. They drove all the way to Virginia nonstop. Yeah. So we found one in the world. I, no, I take it back. There was two in the world at the time. I looked through eBay, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, you name it. And we found one up in Virginia, and Ross and I made a road trip up there and back that we remember most of. And um, we stopped in Savannah. And that's why we named it Savannah, because those are stories you won't hear, but there there was some good stories there. And uh, went up there and got it. But no, the main thing, as far as the sound, I I went through a dozen amps last year trying to figure out my sound uh i wanted it very hot simple sound um i i i'm not one for effects i like organic stuff so you need the guts out of all your guitars and hot rodded all those guitars up yep yep i i don't like any and what i mean by organic i guess this is just to really push the actual sound like an overdrive just really a hot signal um i don't like adding anything more in that because you know just like what ross was saying we're a very down-to-earth raw band and i think we start adding all that which is great for a lot of types of music but for what we're wanting to do we wanted to i, w I wanted that sound and um i figured you know i won't ever be the player that steer Vaughn is but i can at least get close to the sound out of his amp that he had because it was so good <laughs> but um i got tv jones gotta give up tv jones i just i got one pickup going straight to one volume knob um to really get a high output sound of it you know it's not going through a lot of pickups and and tone knobs and that, that's vent that's really what i finally dialed it down to just like a malcolm young acdc setup um but i use one pedal it's actually my brother-in-law with brown amplification that uh, makes these pedals out of kansas city and it's if uh, i understand it right it's a, it's a blues driver and then also another pedal we kind of combine but it's got two different uh sides to it uh, many guitar players out there check out brown amplification he, he does a great job real quality work um but yeah i mean ross and i drove up to virginia got that amp came back i, I really like gretch i played strats for years but i liked the brian setzer big sound the you know the it's it, it's it, it's just a big sound that we needed for a three-piece band without adding a bunch of effects i needed a big bot, hollow body sound with a big amp and, and one good pedal but did it still achieve that achieve that raw sound thanks a lot guys for speaking with rocket night i think we got to know the band a lot more and uh it's funny because you come across as kind of a fun party band, but there's a real deepness to your music. You know what I mean? Well, it depends who you ask, but yeah. Thanks, folks. You're listening to Rock at Night. The introductory song, Get On Down, is from blues artist Billy, Billy Bass Alford. Look for his music at ReverbNation.com.